In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Men, we are wired to carry heavy load. You're built physically for it. You're built mentally for it. You're built spiritually for it. God has made men to carry heavy burdens. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This episode was recorded in Greenville, Mississippi at the First Baptist Church's Men's Wild Meat Feast. We want to give a special shout out to Pastor Matt Alexander for bringing us out to minister to his guys. Gentlemen, enjoy this episode. Man, I don't know. I think you should cheer for me afterwards. I think you just gave me a participation trophy. Is that what this kind of church is? Come on now. Just kidding. Hey guys, I'm Jim Ramos. It's, it is so fun to be here with you guys. It is, uh, I had raccoon for the first time. Tonight is going to be really fun. Tomorrow is going to be very uncomfortable. Because tomorrow morning, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to sing a rap from the greatest rap song ever invented, 1980s rapper, Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang. So if you want to hear a line from that, you can hum. But tonight is all about hunting. Tomorrow's going to be a little bit different, but it's still fun, right? But man, this is really cool. I want to in- invite you guys. Uh, our ministry, Men in the Arena, started uh, 10 years ago. So we're on our 10th year anniversary. And we've been growing by 500 men a week on Instagram. We're hitting 17,000 now, which is cool. And you're 56 years old, and you don't even hardly know what Instagram is. We got a forum with about almost 12,000 guys in it from 105 different countries on Facebook. Love to have you guys engage with us there. And then our podcast, Men Arena Podcast, we interview experts in the area of manhood. And we had 126 nations download it last year. And we just found out we are the number one ranked Christian podcast for men on Spotify. So cool stuff going on. People often ask me, well, is this a hunting ministry? Because you're always talking about hunting. I go, listen, hunting is, is what I do and what I love. It's, I killed my first buck at 11. I had my hunting license at 8. I mean, I just love to hunt. So it just comes out in my stuff. And so people just assume we're a hunting ministry. We are not. We are all about raising an army of men who are becoming their best version. Because we believe when a man gets it, everyone wins. And it's really funny this message is, I gave this message once at my church years ago, but I felt like I need to talk to you guys about this tonight. If you guys uh, 
We have bracelets back there that say when a man gets it, everyone wins. And actually, we've got about 20, and those are for free for you guys. And I was also telling my uh, brothers here, fire department brothers, that any, if you are a, a fire department guy or if you're a cop, if you're active military, our resources are free electronically for you. We just really believe in those groups, and we just say, listen, so we give to the active military, missionaries, men in underdeveloped nations, and any of our first responders. So we just want to bless you guys, say thank you for what you do. I know that you, some of you guys are here from a real hard call you just came back from, and I know that's hard stuff. I was a sheriff's chaplain for many years, and so I appreciate you guys taking that call and taking that heat for us, so appreciate you guys. So anyway, that's me. I um, want to invite you to get plugged in with us. I'm hoping that this church will start one of our uh, programs when we leave, but if I, I'm a horrible speaker, I really don't think you should. Like, no participation trophies here. So, hey, I want to, tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell a, I love to tell stories, so sometimes I let the story get in the way of the, the things I'm trying to get across, but tomorrow morning, I'm going to finish a story that I'm going to start tonight. Last year, I shot the biggest buck of my life, and are, any hunters here? Did anybody like the vegan meal tonight? Yeah, me neither. Okay, you know what I mean? Like that, that my, my food eats that stuff, you know. But last year, I shot the biggest buck of my life. We were on public land, do it yourself. We were four hours in a car from the nearest town. We were a one hour quad drive from the nearest cell phone service. We were remote. I had been there in 2016, I shot a nice buck. But I realized, because my buddies had been hunting for 30 years, I realized that the proper way to hunt this place is to get on the top of the, top of the rim rock in the dark and wait. Now, a lot of guys in Oregon are afraid to walk in the dark. But that's how you kill big bucks. So I got up to the top of this hill. My buddies drove the quad up like most of the way up for me, dropped me off, and I walked got up to the only juniper tree in the entire mountain, and I'm again walking. I'll show you a picture here. I've just got a couple pictures just so you got to get a feel for it. So, oh, that's a rattlesnake. Okay, so first of all, I know you guys have moc water moccasins, copperheads, rattlesnakes. I am a rattlesnake evangelist. I'm just telling you. I see a rattlesnake, it goes to heaven, period. <laughs> so this one here is missing a few rattles. Do you see that? And he's missed his head's a little, he had a real bad excedrin headache, you know. So anyway, so that's, I just got to show you the picture because, you know, when you're deer hunting, though, you don't shoot them. You just crush them with your, I did a Chuck Norris on them, you know, type of thing. So, okay, next one. So this is the country we're hunting. It's just wide open. Our camp is, wait, our camp is way down in there on, on the river breaks, on the river bottom. I'm hunting the breaks. Next picture. So this is a picture from where I shot the buck looking down. Our camp is right there. Okay, uh, I don't want you to show any of the pictures of the buck yet. So, what do we have? Is the next picture the buck picture? Yeah, the next three Okay, so I, I'm hunting. I'm in my spotting scope. I've got my pack, my rifle, my binoculars, my spotting scope. I'm in the spotting scope, and I hear this. I look over, and I see these two deer running out of the canyon. The first one, I don't know what it is, and I don't care because the second one, I can see it's got big horns. 150 yards away, I can see mass. And for mule deer, for me, if it's not a four by four, which is be an eight point for you guys, right? I won't shoot it. So I get my spotting scope, or my get my spotting scope, move it over, get my Weatherby seven millimeter Magnum chambered in 154 grain bullets. You rednecks really appreciate that right now, don't you? Got the gun rested, and I said to myself, if it's a four point, I'm going to shoot him. Opening day of the season, full moon. It's going up to 90 degrees this day, and it was it was 10:30 already, and it's already like 
really hot. And I go out in the dark, come in in the dark. So it's an all-day deal. I'm on this buck. I can tell he's a four-point buck. So I pull the trigger. He does something weird, standing there, acting weirdly, which I'll tell you why he was acting weirdly tomorrow. Chambered another round because, you know, you shoot them till they're dead, right? I don't know. Learn that the hard way. If you let him, oh, he'll, he'll die. Oh, he didn't die. Oh, we should have shot him again. Shot him, dropped him dead. So now I'm sitting there. It's 1045 in the morning. It's almost 90 degrees. I'm alone. I'm, I don't even know how I can get to cell phone service. I have no idea how. My buddies are off hunting somewhere. They had killed a buck. I'm alone. Now I hunt with an exo backpack, which is made to carry heavy loads. So I thought, okay, I, I thought this might happen. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to process this buck. So I came up to the buck. I took some pictures. I was alone. Now this is the biggest buck of my life. So now this picture, he doesn't look big. And I'm not going to tell you why until tomorrow. Okay, so this is one of the pictures. Give me another picture. You may, let me just give you a little hint. His head is severely damaged. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so here's another picture. Another picture. Okay, so this picture here, what I ended up doing is I thought, okay, I'm not going to bone this buck out. It's opening day of the season. We're going to have four 90-degree days. I'm going to quarter this buck. Now, you whitetail hunters from Mississippi, quartering a buck for you means you tie all legs to the quad, all four legs of the quad. Well, that's not how we do it in the West. Quartering for us in the West means you bring out your outdoor edge razor knife and you literally cut, you skin that buck and you take all of the hide off and you pull off the tenders from the inside using a gutless method. You take the loins off the top, you cut the legs off front, back, and the head. So I've got full quarter, hind quarters, full shoulder, head, loins, tenders, gun, spotting scope, binoculars. I've got about 150 pounds of weight. Do I look like a triathlete to you? Do I look young to you? I'm realizing I'm getting ready to go medical. It's bad, you guys. I'm already almost out of water. It's bad. I had back surgery in 2014. So I lay this buck over. I'm on my back. I get this buck up. I get him strapped in. I'm starting to walk myself up out of the hill to get out of the rim rock to get to where I can drop this buck off in some shades, hopefully, because I brought a tarp, and drop him off. Guys, I thought my hamstrings are going to explode. The whole time I'm walking, laughing, going, I don't think I'm going to make it. I've never carried something so heavy in my life, except for my marriage. You know I mean, I've never carried something so heavy in my life. This is hard. I mean, it was the worst. It was the worst. I'm laughing the whole time because... I didn't know what was going to happen that day, but that day I would end up walking 14 miles because when I finally dropped the buck off, made my way down the mountain, found my buddy on the radio, he picked me up on the quad, we went all the way back to the top of the mountain, there, it's, it's a little, there are no roads, his quad, his side by side died. We had to walk all the way back down the mountain, we made it to the camp at 4 in the afternoon, it had been 90 degrees for like 7 hours made it back to the buck and got back to camp at seven at night. It was the most grueling, one of the most grueling days of my life. I actually, true story, we're hunting volcanic rock. You can see it. I actually wore the soles off my $200 Solomon, uh, 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 I think they're called Quattro 4Ds or something. They replaced the boots. I wore the soles off the shoes that day. But what I want to share with you and what I learned today, tomorrow I'm going to share something a little bit different in that church service tomorrow morning. But what I learned carrying that buck out of the hills, I was reminded of something interesting. Men, we are wired 
to carry heavy loads. Did you know that? You're built physically for it. You're built mentally for it. You're built spiritually for it. God has made men to carry heavy burdens. This was just an object lesson of what God wants us as men to do. We carry the load for our family. Most of us will die younger than our spouses because men carry heavy loads. And I have a friend, Jeff Both. He's out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he says this, as men go, so goes the co culture. As men go, so goes the culture. And I believe that God has established you to be the backbone of your families. I believe this. When a man gets it, everyone wins. Everyone wins. But here's what I also believe. When a man doesn't get it, he leaves a wake of destruction. When a man is soft, when a man is passive, when a man is indecisive, when a man is weak, he hurts the people he loves the most. So we're going to ask that question. Are there people in your life hurting right now because you're weak sauce and you're refusing to carry the heavy burden? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to have a good time, but it's going to be a wild ride. But guys, listen, it's time to call ourselves out, to call ourselves in, and to call ourselves up. And that's my goal for you tonight, to recognize a weak spot that you have refused to carry or you've handed it off to somebody else and to pick up that heavy load. Because I believe this. I believe 90% of everything that good that is good in this world will happen through men. And that's not politically correct. Because I also believe 90% of what happens in this world is bad happens through men. When a man gets it, everyone wins. When a man doesn't get it, everyone loses. Think about this for a second. <clears throat> you may be going, ah, I, I think that's garbage. We live in this day and age where men don't matter. Everybody ignores men. Now think about this. Think about history. Think about history. Well, how many, hold on, I'm kind of counting all the women firefighters. You guys have a lot of those? Do you have some? Some, but a lot of men, right? A lot of men. Why? Women, men are drawn to saving lives. It's what men are drawn to. Think about how many men are buried from wars that we've had versus how many women. The numbers are astronomical. Think about the great inventors, great explorers, great spiritual leaders, people who have died in the wars in the past 250 years. Think of culture changers. Think of renowned artists. Almost every one of them has something in common. They're men. And that is not popular to hear. And you may be saying to me, I want the women to hear this because they're going to love this message, but right now they're going to hate the message. Because women say to me, are you misogynist? I go, I don't even know what that is. No, I don't give massages. That's gross. No, no, are you a man hater? Are you a, are you a woman hater? I'm like, no, I'm not a woman hater at all. I think women are awesome. I think women, I, I've worked side by side with some phenomenal women in ministry. In ministry. When I look at the Bible, when I look at the Bible, I, I, I look at, I see women over and over again being used by God. But I've realized that when a man gets it, everyone wins. I'm thinking about a guy named Jeff from Indiana. 2018, he sat right there. The next year he came back, he sat right there again. Full leather biking gear. After our conference, he wrote me this text. He said this. I'm going to read this to you. He said, After attending Iron Sharpens Iron last year, I was inspired to be the man I was called to be. The previous year, I had made a deal with a longtime friend to attend church one time. Needless to say, I've never stopped going back. But my wife, not so much. It was a hard road, and I seriously considered divorcing her until God put it on my heart to be the man that God wants me to be. 
And then he said, tomorrow I'm baptizing my wife and her mother. You guys, when a man gets it, everyone wins. Here's another, here's another funny story from Amy. She's a housewife in nowhere, Wyoming. When you go to Wyoming, every place is nowhere. Okay, there's a, like 800,000 people and twice as many antelope. She said this, thank you for helping my husband become a better man. Apparently he felt the need to be a better man, not just a male. We live 90 miles from the nearest box store and it's always been stressful to shop with my husband because he doesn't do well driving in traffic. Okay, they're in Wyoming. <laughs> I'm like going, hello. He doesn't like driving in the traffic with idiots. He yells, gives hand gestures, swears. It's common for me to be a hot mess when we arrive. On top of that, he's constantly telling me to hurry up when we shop, and I'm always at least 15 to 20 feet behind him. Well, today was different. Today was incredible. No angry driving issues. He waited for me. He walked with me, which was a first. He was helpful, kind, irresistible. She says, I was... I was actually getting turned on, but was skeptical, quite frankly, because this was not my husband. He told me you're writing a chapter in your book about being a gentle man. Today, my husband is the gentlest I've ever seen him. Thank you for helping him. Men in the arena has made a difference in his life, which made a difference in my life. You know, when a man gets it, everyone wins. And when a man gets it, he gets it. Okay, you old guys are like, come on. come on. I thought that was funny. But her story gives new meaning to this phrase, when a man gets it, everyone's. And you may wonder, you know, so what, let's look at the Bible. It, you know, let's look at the women in the Bible, though. We have strong women. We have Deborah, prophet and judge of, of Israel. We have Esther, who has a whole book written to her, to her credit. In Acts 6.14, we see Lydia, whose entire household was saved after she was. Four times in the Bible, it talks about somebody getting saved in her whole household. Three times are men, one time is Lydia. In Acts chapter, uh, all throughout Acts, we read of Priscilla and Aquila, who, and she was mentioned five times out of seven ahead of her husband. And in Scripture, that means something. That means that she was probably the prominent communicator of the two of them. What, that's why they did that. I think, a lot of people think this, and I actually think that she was somehow connected to the writing of the book of Hebrews. That's my own personal opinion, along with several others. I don't know if she wrote it. Maybe Paul was there, but there's a reason why her name, nobody's name was mentioned. How about Romans 16, 7? We read of a woman, Junia, who was called outstanding among the apostles. Finally, in Romans 16, 1, Paul mentions Phoebe, who was a deacon in the church at Centrea. So when I say a man gets it, I'm not anti-woman. I'm very pro-woman. But what happened is when God wants to do any work in history and for God's kingdom, he starts with men. And if men refuse to step up and carry the heavy load, he goes to women. And women have been carrying the heavy load for men in the church for too long. And it's time for the men at Greenville First Baptist to step up. It's time for the men all around the country to step up. So today I want to dive into God's Word. I want to share with you some things I've discovered in God's Word. And hopefully they'll help you on your journey to becoming your best versions of man. So uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to pray and we're going to just get into some teaching time tonight. <sighs> Father, we just come before you, God. You are a great and awesome God. Jesus, the word says that you bore our sins on the cross. God, you carried the heavy burden. In Matthew chapter 11, you say, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened. Take my yoke upon you. God, because you carry the heavy burden. God, help us today, those of us who have been weak and passive and soft and apathetic and indifferent and anonymous. 
to get on the ground, pick up the pack, pick up the heavy load, and start climbing with those we love shouldered close by. God, I pray that when I leave this place after this weekend that you would uh, change hearts and lives, but God, I pray that I would be forgotten. I pray that only you and what you did would be remembered, and that, God, you would receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, guys, in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to put it on the board, because, I, I mean, if I was you, I'd have meat sweats, I'd have meat, sweaty meat hands. It'd be hard to flip through my phone and look at my Bible. So we're going to have scripture up here for you. But I want to start in verse 5. This is, uh, so what has happened is the Holy Spirit has descended. People are speaking in tongues all over the place. People are going crazy. Paul's getting ready to step up and give his first sermon, and 3,000 plus people are going to come to Christ. But I want to just share with you a couple obscure verses in between that, because those verses really impacted me as a man, and I want to share them with you. Here, starting in verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya and Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? What is going on? But... Others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet tea. No, I'm just sorry, sweet wine. They are drunk. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared. Guys, listen. We live in a world where Christian men are surrounded if you are a follower of Jesus, you are surrounded by a culture and a world that opposes Jesus. But like uh, Dick Winters and Band of Brothers, we are supposed to be surrounded. That should inspire us as men. I want to be in the minority. I want to be surrounded. I want to be the guy who's saying, I'm believing the truth, even though I'm swimming against the majority. Because I believe the majority is usually wrong. It, but it takes guts and it takes other men in our lives to band together with us against the forces of this world who oppose Jesus. And here's what I want to say about that. No man should ever stand alone. God has not made you to stand alone. He has made you to link up with your band of brothers and to make a difference and to make an impact, even with everybody else is standing against you. Listen, let me, let me give you an illustration. This is one of my old football coaching pregame talks right here. Ready for this? So this is your pastor right here. Standing alone, nobody helping him. Broken. Him and a couple elders. Standing alone, nobody helping him. But when a group of men... Stand with him and say, we are going to help you reach 
Greenville, Mississippi. We're going to stand by your side. We're not going to let the church foyer be pink. We're not going to let it be 80 degrees on Sunday morning. It should be 60 degrees for men. We're going to put, we're going to put trees up there. That we're going to take the trees that we hunt our ducks with. We're going to put those in the foyer. We're going to make this look like a man church. It already looks manly with all the brick. When men stand up, you cannot break them. You cannot break them. But when a man stands alone, he's vulnerable. God has not made you to stand alone. And if you're standing alone, you're weak, and you're going to get hurt, and you're going to get taken out. I'm a duck hunter. I'm going to call those birds. And I mean, if I get one mallard, peel off and get him alone, he's dead. I'm an elk hunter. We call elk away from the herd to kill them. To kill them. I had hit my friends drop me off in the middle of nowhere in the dark because I knew I could catch a buck coming out of the rim rock after feeding and kill him. Predators seek weakness to kill. Am I wrong or right? When you hunt doves, you have to be careful to pick one bird and kill him. When you're duck hunting, find the drake and kill him. Pick them out and kill them. That's what predators do. That poor little raccoon shouldn't have wandered from his mommy. Somebody killed that poor little guy. Because alone, you are weak. But together, you are strong. Peter took his stand with the eleven. And was able to charge hell with a squirt gun. You cannot do that alone, guys. Do you know Patrick Morley in his book, The Christian Man, did a statistical analysis of men, and he discovered that only 12 men out of 100 in a church are in a small group. Only 12. Only 12. Only 12. Where are the rest? They're vulnerable. They're laying on the floor broken. I cannot be, I cannot speak to you guys so passionately. I just want you to get that part. Because if you're alone, you're not getting this. God has not made you to be alone. He's made you to fellowship with other men. All right? Did I communicate that one clearly? Okay, good. Let's move on. Let's move on because I'm starting to get uncomfortable here. So, and you know, Jesus actually knew this because when he, just, when he broke the disciples up, he broke them into pairs. Did you notice that? Peter and Andrew, James and John, on and on, all 12, broke them up. And then when he sent out the 70, he divided them into twos. That, Jesus knows this. And God knows that when men stand alone, they are in danger. When they are standing together, they are 10 times stronger than the man who stands alone. So I choose strength. I choose strength. Plus, when you miss your shots, your buddy can shoot, and you can claim that bird for your own. Got him! Don't you love that guy? I hate hunting with that guy. Got him! What? You're, you're, I'm shooting right, you're shooting left. Anyway, okay, hold on another story. So we need to stand together with men who have our spiritual backs. God has placed a great weight upon our shoulders asking us to carry that weight. But let's look carefully at Acts chapter 2, verse 14 for some more clarity. Peter stands up and he says, Men. Now his first sermon, isn't that interesting? Now he didn't say people. He wasn't politically correct. Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, and his first priority is the men. 
men of Judea and all the other people, but men. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third day of the hour of the day. It's nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And he goes back to Joel. Um, he quotes Joel 2, 28 to 32. And he concludes that passage with verse 21 here. He says, And it shall be that everyone, men and women, who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then he says in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to my words. So he includes everybody, but he's talking to, am I missing something? He's talking to the men. He's talking to the men. And here's what I want to say to you guys. It is objectively undeniable that in the Bible and history of the church, that whenever God starts a history-changing movement, he starts with men. Guys, men are God's starting place. You are God's starting place. You may be like, oh, I don't believe in this God stuff. I don't care what you believe. If you're a man, you are the chosen leader that is going to change your family, good or bad. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's the truth. The heavy weight of reaching your world is on your shoulders. Men, we are God's starting place almost every time. In fact, Jack Hayford says this, and most of his workings throughout history and scripture, God starts with men. Get that? Men are God's starting place. The shaping of a man is foundational. Anything God sets out to do. This is the first Baptist church, so I'm going to give a Baptist press survey. You know, I've got this thing, man. If it's Baptist, it's got to be biblical. I mean, you know what I mean? It's got to be. So here we go. The Baptist press survey. If the mother is the first to become a Christian in a household, there's a 17% chance her whole family will follow. But if the man is the first to give his life to Christ, there's a 93% chance that everybody else will follow. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. When a man gets it, everyone wins. God started the human race. He started with a man, Adam. The covenant of testaments was given to a man, Abraham. The 12 tribes of the nation of Israel began with a man, Jacob. Redemption of Israel was given through a man, Moses. The promised land was conquered through a man, Joshua. The royal prototype Messiah was, came through a man, David. The savior of the world came as a man, Jesus. Jesus launched his church with men, the disciples. The leader of the first church was a man, Peter. Apostle to the non-Jewish world was a man, Paul. And the transformative leader in your family is a man. You. Unequivocally you. Unapologetically you. But we need to stand up and carry the heavy load. I'm disturbed that so many churches around this country do not care about men, but they start with the women and children and not the men. I'm so thankful for a pastor who recognizes that the men are God's starting place. And he will get attacked for that because our world does not want to say that. But biblically, it is true. Socially, it's true. Historically, it is true. Go look at the Vietnam Memorial. 300 women out of the, what is it? Help me out here. 53,000 men? 35,000 men? 300 women. Over and watch, watch the news when the floods come. Who's out in rowboats and their duck boats getting people? It's the men. Men live to die on a hill. God has wired us to carry the heavy load. And we can't deny that, guys. We can only ignore it. Sadly, sadly, and this is why I'm here tonight, 
delivering kind of maybe a hard message for some of you. Sadly, there's a dark side to Acts chapter 2. There's a dark side to men. There's a reason why this country is hurting. And I, and I believe it falls on the shoulders of men. I do believe that when a man gets it, everyone wins. But I believe when a man doesn't get it, everything collapses. And I believe 80% of the problems of this world can be laid at the feet of men. Not men, males. Males. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. It does not exist. If you look up the word masculine in the dictionary, it is doing manly things. Manly things are never toxic. It's toxic male. Toxic male. Masculinity is not toxic. And I talk about that in my book back there. Only the problem with our society, like that big buck that came out of the can, the little buck, I didn't even look at the little buck. Because I wasn't looking at little pathetic, little, you know, su you know, little bucks with spots. I'm looking for the big bucks. Males are like those little bucks. We just ignore them and move on. They make no difference. There's no joy. But the big bucks is what we're after. And the trophies, we are God's trophy. And he needs us to step in the role that God has called us to. So look at, ver look at verse 22. Ju uh, Peter says, men, again, focused on the men. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you, serve, you, you yourselves know, this man, I love this. Notice the capital M. Jesus is the man. I mean, I love that part. Okay, okay, that's just me. He's literally the man. Delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you, men of Israel, nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since he is it was impossible for him to behold by its power. Here's the dark side, guys. Males are the problem in our culture. Adult males who have chosen to reject the heavy mantle of manhood. And I think I'm looking at some of them in the eye tonight. I just have a feeling a room this big. Have you rejected the mantle to love one woman all your life, to love your children and be an engaged father, to serve in your church, to coach your little kids' soccer team until they grow up and play sports. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, have, have, have you rejected these things, guys? Or have you said, I will carry this heavy, heavy weight of manhood? War, genocide, sexual abuse, racism, human trafficking, murder, rape, criminal behavior, Orphan children are mostly the result of males. Mostly the result of males. See? David Blackhorn said this in confronting our most urgent social problem. He said, fatherlessness is the most harmful demographic trend in this generation. If this trend continues, fatherlessness is likely to change the shape of society. Did you know, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children will go to bed without a biological father in their home tonight? Well, this is 10 years ago, so it's probably 40 million. 66% are not expected to live with their dad through age 18. 40% are born out of wedlock. And these kids born without dads, 66% of these boys are likely to go to prison. Children in fatherless homes are five times more likely to live in poverty, have emotional problems, and repeat a grade. Half of the children of divorce will not see their dad for a year. 
half. Half. In 2019, there were 434 mass shootings in America. They all had one thing in common. Every shooter was a male, not a man. Not one man among them. Everyone was a male. It's easy to conclude if you're in the media that men are the problem of this world. But I believe that if men are the problem, doesn't it also logically conclude men are the solution? So if you want to fix your world, you fix the men. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. When you get it, your family will win, and your marriage will win, and your church will win, and your community will win. If churches want to change, we need to change the men. We need to focus on men. Men need to become our mission. Our world is a desperate need for you guys to step up. The sad thing is, if you're in this room tonight, you've probably mostly, almost mostly stepped up already because you're here. But if you're not here, I'm just begging you guys, we need our men to step up. You've got a church building that could fit thousands of people. If we have men step up, this church will see a growth thing that you will not believe, and I believe that with all my heart. Ernest Hemingway wrote a short story years ago called The Capital of the World. And it's kind of an interesting story. In this story, he tells the story of a, a, a man who had a son named Jose, lived in Spain. And he and his son got along fine. His son hit the teen years. They had a massive blow-up. And the father said horrible things to the son. The son said horrible things to the father. And the son took off and said, I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm, running. I'm leaving. The father said, go, get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. And they parted ways in anger. Several years later, the father was heartbroken over this decision. He tried to find his son, Jose. He looked all over Spain, couldn't find him. Couldn't find, you know, this is like before Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff. He finally goes to the capital of Spain, Madrid, and he finds a local newspaper, and he writes, a, he writes an ad in the newspaper, and it says this. My son, Jose, I'm so sorry for the pain I caused you and the horrible things I said in anger. Please, please, will you forgive me? I beg you. I've looked all over Spain for you, and it's my last hope of finding you. I want to see you again. I want you to be my son. I want to be your father. I will be at the Plaza Fountain every day next week at noon. Please meet me there, your loving father. According to Hemingway in this short story, hundreds of boys named Jose showed up at the fountain that week looking for a dad to restore their lost dad's relationship. Guys, you guys are so important. When a man gets it, every one wins. I was speaking at an event in Illinois a couple years ago. I had a guy pray, wanted me to pray for him. He's a big guy. He, had, he was dressed kind of funny. He had like a leather jacket vest like a leather vest he had like a lot of chains around his neck and he had some weird hat i would never wear he clearly wasn't a hunter and he said hey can you pray for me i said sure so i put my he, he had a kid he was estranged from his kid he was not willing to kind of bridge the gap between he and his kid and he said i just i feel like i need to bridge that gap will you pray for me i said sure and so dale i think did you pray with me you were and i were there so dale's my right hand man uh, if you have any questions you can't get to me talk to him he'd love to pray with you talk to you but dale and i put our hands on this guy's shoulder giant guy Prayed over him. I got to Oregon, not Oregon. Oregon. Got to Oregon. Got an email. It's from this guy. I'm going to read to you exactly what he wrote to me. He said, I'm the big guy in Illinois who spoke with you about my son who I've not seen or communicated with in years. 
after you prayed with me, a lot has happened. I want to share it with you. The next day, my son contacted me for the first time in years. The next day. And, I, and as I write this, I'm getting ready to pick my son up and bring him back home, exclamation mark. I just wanted to let you know, man, when a man gets it, everyone wins. Even if you get it in your heart tonight, everyone will start to win. And guys, I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to condemn you. You may be the problem in your life right now. But I'm telling you that you can turn it around that fast. You can turn it around. When a man gets it, everyone wins. When a man gets it, what? Everyone, this side did better. Firefighters are better at filing rules. Thank you. When a man gets it, everyone wins. Everyone wins. So guys, here's my question. I'm going to call pastor. Have you gotten it? Does your marriage have it tonight? I mean, marriage is hard. I'm, t- I'm talking to the group tomorrow morning, to the, and I'm going to talk about marriage. My marriage has been, it was hard early on. We're at 30 years now, and it's glory, it's wonderful. But it's hard. There were times in our marriage where I, I did not get it, and my wife looked at me, and she knew she was married to a male and not a man. How's your marriage? How about your relationship with your children? Older guys. How about your adult children? Any estranged from you? Where do we need to get it tonight? How about you guys in the church? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you engaged in the church? You know, men in the arena, we're all about calling men out of the anonymous bleachers and into the battlefield. That's why I love our first responders so much, because they're in the battlefield. And I want every man on this planet should be in some battlefield. Because when you get it, everyone wins. So guys, you have a card on your table. I want you to grab the card. Everybody grab a card. There's, I think there's going to be some giveaways tonight for this, uh, but I want you to grab that card and I want you to look at it. Fill that card out, and I think there's a spot on the card that talks about uh, uh, checking a box if they want to make some kind of decision. What does it say, Pastor? Uh, circle yes or no. If, if tonight you've realized, you know what? Um, in my heart of hearts, I know I've got to do something because there is an area in my life where I am not getting it. And I really need to get it. And you don't have to fill out what it is. But if you want to get it tonight, and you want some help understanding how, how you can grow in a specific area, and you want pastor and the staff to help you, or you want Dale or myself to pray with you, will you check that box? I'm not going to have you stand up or do something public. I just, in your heart of hearts, I just trust and believe that God is doing a change and a work in a lot of men here tonight. And so, guys, I, I want to thank you for letting me come. Uh, tomorrow will be really, really fun. I mean, when you want to hear, I'm going to do a rap. It's going to be, I'm going to be super embarrassed. It's pathetic. I'm a country singer, country guy singing a rap. It's going to be awesome. But I know, I know that song by heart, all 15 minutes of that song. So it's going to be fun. But tonight I know it was hard because we don't have the ladies here. And I just want to talk straight to you guys. I want to shoot straight because if this is a wild game barbecue, you can't kill anything if you don't shoot straight. So Father, I thank you for these guys. I thank you for the work you're doing in their hearts tonight. I thank you, God, that as, 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 as there are men here that stand alone, tonight they heard this, and they decided I'm never going to stand alone again and be broken, but I'm going to partner with guys who will lock arms with me and help me to move into my best version because, God, I want to be a man who gets it. I want my marriage to win. I want my kids to win. I want my career to win. I want my church to win. I want my community to win. And, God, I know I can do that 
when I partner with my brothers and I partner with you. And so, God, move me in the direction that you would have me go so I can win. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, men. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.